G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. On Australia's Got Talent, I, I dressed up as the mascot and I, um, I sang Mustang Sally, which I thought was ironic, being the horse. Took my head off and um, they, they thought I had a bit of talent and I got through the semi-finals. And then they said, um, you know, we weren't so convinced this time round. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where my um, reality TV experience ended. But I guess that was um, probably the, the precipice of, um, a, of a crash. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, our guest today, Justin Gange, has been quoted as saying, every day we put on our masks. This is kind of ironic because he put on a literal mask for years as the mascot for the Brisbane Broncos. But of course, this isn't really the kind of mask he's talking about. He'll explain more and share his story of struggling with mental illness as he has a chat with Eric Scadamo. Welcome to the program, Justin Gange. Hey, how you doing? Real good. Glad to have you with us. And so you're a mascot. Yeah, look, it's um, it's been uh, 20 odd years uh, suiting up, trying to put smiles on people's dials. Uh, so it's been fun. <laughs> How did you get that? Uh, look, a little bit of nepotism. My mates were doing it many years ago and um, they had so many mascots at um, the game. They said, oh, you know, do you want to uh, come and hang out and um, chuck a suit on? And uh, back then I was a post box and uh, uh, worked my a way up to... Yeah, <laughs> yes. It was, yeah, not real uh, glamorous, but uh, it was a bit of fun. Now, you had to say to yourself, I am a post box. <laughs> yes. Is it, I, I don't know. Where do you go from there? Oh, look, you know, it, it, it's about, um, it, it's like in life, anything. It's, it's about being the best that you can be with, with what you got in your hands right at that moment. So um, it's like, I'm going to be the best post box that I've ever seen. You know? <laughs> well, I imagine you were a wonderful post box because you were then promoted up the ladder. That's, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I was a cowboy hat after that and then uh, a bull and then. Um, <laughs> it just find, keeps getting better and better. I know. I, I finally got to be the horse. Uh, back in 2000 and um, been doing that uh, ever since um, up until this year. So, yeah, it's been good. Okay, well, turning to more serious topics, you had this quote saying, every day we put on masks. So, obviously, there's a more serious side to this whole idea of putting masks on. Yeah, look, absolutely. I, I struggle with my, uh, my, my own mental health and, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the entertainer, um, amongst my friends and all that. And so even when I was doing it tough and, um, you know, down, I, it had to be the, you know, the life of the party, the, um, the person that would make people smile, even though I wasn't feeling that on the inside. And so, yeah, I guess the metaphor there of putting on a mask is, yeah, we probably, there's a bit in that, uh, for all of us, I guess. Hmm. Isn't it interesting that so many stand-up comedians and other entertainers have metaphorical demons in their lives and struggles with mental illness? Yeah, yeah. Look, and and more and more of that is is coming out, and um, yeah, it's it, it's really tough, and um, it, it's about uh, being real, though. For me now, it's uh, it's about taking off the mask and being pretty transparent with who I am. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, well, let's find out your story. Let's go back to your childhood. You grew up in New Zealand? I did. I was born at an early age. Um, my, <laughs> oh, that's my, nice. Yeah, my, my dad was my hero. He, he used to um, put on big uh, neighbourhood events and sing and eat and all that sort of stuff. And so from a very early age, I wanted to be like my dad and entertain people and make people smile. And um, and so that's what I did. I, I, I sang... Um, in pubs and clubs as a young fellow and, um, but with, with that came its own challenges, um, sort of battling, uh, um, depression and battling, um, suicide attempts and, um, uh, alcoholism and, um, things like that from a, a, an early age. Now, can we go back further? Yeah. I mean, if you were doing what you enjoy, being like your father, making people happy, then why would there be depression? I, someone could ask. Yeah, look, it's it's kind of like a false economy. Um, you, you get uh, get to the state where you you love the adulation of the crowd. There's nothing nothing better than you know applause and you know oh you, you did a great job and everything like that. And um, so you're living in that bubble. And then when you get off the stage, there's no applause. There's no mm. um, you know no adulation. And um, all of a sudden you're left with your own thoughts and you and and you wonder am I, am I really worthy of of that. Um, and that's where I was. You know, I wasn't the greatest mm-hmm. singer by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I did enjoy you know, the, the the joy that it brought people. But um, it was it was having a real negative effect on myself. So you were a singer, and how did you come to Australia? Yeah, look, I um, there, there was one one suicide attempt where I, I pretty much um, was in a coma for a while, and the first thing that I said out of that coma um, when I came to was that God didn't want me and I, and I wrestled with that I, I wasn't a Christian or anything like that at that stage and I wrestled with that um, that that thought that statement that I made coming to and 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 obviously, when I look back, I think of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, for I know the plans I have for you, plans that good and not for evil, that you may have a future and a hope. And I didn't realize at that time that God had a plan for my life. Mm. Um, but I, I ended up going um, to a um, a psychiatric hospital for a number of months. And my cousin, um, he was playing in a band called the Newsboys over in America. And, um, oh wow! He, the he, Newsboys. The Newsboys. Yeah, yeah. So wow. he was a guitarist um, with the Newsboys back in the um, in the early nineties. Uh, so late eighties, mm-hmm. wow. early nineties. And um, yeah, yeah. He he wrote me a letter and he said, Justin, you don't have to go through all these things that you're going through. See, I was I was trying to fill my life with you know all sorts of things, relationships, you know, this weird religion I created, um, drugs, alcohol, all those sort of things, trying to fill a void in my life. And he he wrote me mm-hmm. this letter saying, you know. God loves you, and um, you know He's got a place for you, and He's got a plan for your life. And and I did what every um, <laughs> every person and in an institution does. I showed the letter to everyone, and I mocked my cousin. <laughs> and um, and um, but but there was a seed. There was a seed in something He sent me, and um, and so I, I when I left the institution, I went home, and I there was a little Calvary Baptist church around the corner from where I was, and um, I just started turning up. I started turning up because I, I was searching. I was I was I was really mm-hmm. empty, and and I I gave my heart to the Lord um, in that little Calvary Baptist church after a number of weeks of inquiry, and and from that day, all of a sudden, things began to change, and and, and I got a call from a cousin saying, "Hey, look, I'm I'm in a, back in Australia, and um, we're starting a band up. Would you be interested in auditioning for the band?" 
and uh, you didn't have to ask me twice. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, I, I sold everything I had. I came to Australia. I auditioned for the band, and 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 no, I wasn't very good, mate. <laughs> so so well, um, he asked you. I mean, he must have saw something. <laughs> yeah, look, I I I, I auditioned, and um, it, it didn't really work out, and so I was stuck in Australia, and. Um, <laughs> for the first time I had to get a real job to sort of pay my way um, and that's how I got to Australia oh, okay now could we back up a little bit yeah before you put your faith in Jesus mm. did you have a religious background or a spiritual background no no look as a young fellow I remember my neighbors took me to um, Sunday school a couple of times but um, uh, that that wasn't yeah, that was pretty much the extent of it. No, no one in our family was really religious or anything apart from my cousin's side of the family. But, um, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, I, I'd searched for so long to, to fill that gap that was uh, evident in my life that, um, I thought, well, I've tried everything. Um, I might as well give this a go. And, and the more that I went, the, the more questions that I had and the, the pastor was able to answer those, um, mm. those questions. So, um, yeah, it, it, that was the start of the journey. And so you went from believing that God didn't want you to believing he died for your sins and became your Lord and Savior. Absolutely. So that must have been a significant change in your life. It, it was, it, and, it, and it, cha- like, it changed my whole viewpoint on the world. Mom, uh, it, it was one of those sort of, um, yeah, surreal moments. It, was, it, it almost seemed like, uh, you know, it, this is destiny it was planned this is meant to be and uh, looking back I can see it was it was you know God's plan God's plan for my life you're listening to the story today Eric Scadabo is chatting with Justin Gange who's sharing about his lifelong struggles with mental illness we'll find out how this eventually leads to a suicide attempt and a miraculous intervention by God That's all when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scadabo chatting with Justin Gange and finding out his life story. As we heard before the break, Justin struggled with mental illness issues in his younger years growing up in New Zealand. But after he became a Christian, things seemed to be going well for him. Okay, so now you're in Australia. What happens next in your story? Look, I um, I, I was doing doing some... Incredible. At church, I was really getting involved in church. Um, I'd be on the evangelism team and, um, uh, we'd go and visit prisons and I'd share my story in prisons and, um, share my story on the streets with people like Mad Dog Mugford and, um, all these different people that have, you know, had, had those, um, challenging backstories, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it and just interacting with people and helping people that were in tough spots. And I got into the music side of church and so I, you know, um, and, and kids' church as well. Any anything that I could do, I was doing it, and I was really passionate. And and God was just blessing me. Like as I said, I didn't really have any sort of <laughs> working background, but um, I, I ended up getting an apprenticeship as a plumber. 
um, uh, back in 94 and I, I met my wife in the church and um, we got married in 94 and 94 was also the year that I started mascotting for the Brisbane Broncos so it was a, it was a big year it was a, oh, wow. God God was just blessing me and, and looking back it just continued to bless me over the years as I was being faithful to um, his call on my life so and, that's the end of the story everything's fine and rosy <laughs> no problems ever again in your life oh no I'd love, love for that to be wouldn't it be nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. no no not not the case. I, I I was doing so well at work. I climbed the ladder um, where I became um, one of the twenty top employees. The you know the next generation in the organisation of ten thousand that would you know be in top level management. So I was doing really well at work, and I uh, I was doing well with my mascotting, and I was doing well in the church. And I began to lose track of my walk with God, and I actually started to believe that I was you know, the the master of my um, destiny. Mm. And and so I started walking away from uh, the bread and butter of um, doing life every day with God and doing life every day with Jesus. And so, yeah, I started um, thinking I was amazing and, and leaving God out of the equation. And 2012 come along and I thought I, I was invincible and I, I ran for state politics and I went on Australia's Got Talent. and um, Yeah, what did you do for them? Oh, look I mean, at, mascotting or what did you Yeah, do? yeah. So on Australia's Got Talent, I, I dressed up as the mascot and I, um, I sang Mustang Sally, um, which I thought was ironic, being the horse. Um, you, sang, <laughs> you sang while in the costume? While in the costume, took my head off and um, they, they thought I had a bit of talent and I got through the semifinals and... Um, and then they said, um, you know, we weren't so convinced this time round. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where my um, reality TV experience ended. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that was, um, probably the, the, the precipice of, um, of a crash, impending mm. crash, because I was doing all of this out of my own strength. And as a result, it wasn't sustainable. And, um, and, and I crashed at the end of 2012. I was doing it so tough that my boss kept taking me out going, oh, you know, you okay? What's going on? Um, what a wonderful boss you have. Oh, he, he's incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible human being. Uh, took me out so many times that I had to go on to um, skim milk because I was starting to bloat. <laughs> but um, but no, just kept kept asking me. And a, a typical bloke, you know, I said, no, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. But... I, I couldn't say it anymore and, and, um, I said, no, I'm not doing okay, mate. And, um, so I said, I think we need to make a call. And so I called my doctor, uh, GP and, um, they said, you know, think you need to talk to a psychologist. And I'd been seeing a psychologist on the side because I, I, I was doing it tough. And, um, she said, yeah, I think you need to go to your local hospital. And in the hospital, um, they, they put me into the psychiatric ward, uh, unit of that, um, of my local hospital and. Wow. I mean, um, that, that happened pretty quick. Can, can we just back up and yeah. ask, were there any outward manifestations that he was seeing? He obviously was concerned that he took you out to lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, as I said, I was the clown. I was the one that would, you know, make people smile and um, yeah. all of a sudden I was the person hanging around in the corners. Um, so. Oh, so he saw a definite personality change. Yeah, yeah. I, I was withdrawn when I wasn't entering into things like I usually do. I, you know, a lot of, it's distracted. Um, yeah, my whole, my whole personality changed. And so it was, it was from that that he had real concerns. And, and that's, you know, when he started taking me out and saying, come on, mate, I'm, I'm noticing you're not doing so well. And then, as you mentioned, things just went very quickly to being admitted to a psychiatric ward. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, sitting there in the emergency department of my local hospital and um, dressed in my suit um, with all this white noise going on in my head and, um, you know, feeling the shame of, you know, being this, you know, this business person, this person that's, you know, highly involved in church and I've just let everyone down and um, I felt shame, I felt guilt and um, I, again, felt, you know, the need not to not to be around for my family. Now, that just sounds like what the devil would want you to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're no good. Life would be better off without you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I, is that common in mental illness that yeah, those look, type of thoughts come to people's minds? Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the whole, you know, the devil comes to steal, rob, and destroy, and that's, mm-hmm. that's where yeah. I was at. I'd walked so far away, and I didn't even realize it, mate. And mm. I'd walked so far away from, you know, spending every day with God that I ended up um, not realizing that um, I was working in my own strength, and um, yeah. I'd gone down those those roads again. And then were you diagnosed? Yeah, so look, I, I, they, they had me in the um, in, in the ward there and um, they, they questioned me and talked with me and everything like that, and um, they said, we, we, we think you've got um, bipolar type 2. Um, mm. Which is a mental illness. Um, now, I, I was treated for that as as a kid. I wasn't diagnosed as a teenager because they were loath to do that back in the old days. So, um, yeah, I was diagnosed there in that um, psychiatric ward and um, medicated accordingly. And um, yeah, so I, I was I was definitely right at the you know the part of the lowest ebb of my life. I had a wife, two beautiful girls, had two girls through IVF um, through this whole awesome period of my life. And mm-hmm. um, so a loving family who loved me, um, who are awesome. And here I was um, letting them all down and letting the devil have his way with my thought life. But in reality, and now looking back over your whole life, you had a mental illness, which from time to time would manifest itself. Yeah. So... It wasn't your fault. It was an illness. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about, you know, having a broken leg, equating, you know, a mental illness to just like having a broken leg. You, you do things to, to accommodate for that. And so you know, not being diagnosed until I was um, 40 uh, years old was um, quite a confronting sort of, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of time for me. But um, it, it gave me a little bit of understanding that, well, you know, maybe – Maybe you know if I treat this right, you know things will things will get better, and um, and so that's what I did. I I went back to work uh, not long after my hospital admission, and um, and then an, another um, hammer from the side. Um, I was going to be losing my job um, of of oh, wow. twenty years, and um, so all of a sudden, not only was I coping with um, a new diagnosis, a new you know lifestyle change, um, it was now. Um, oh, and by the way, you won't be able to work for us anymore. And, and that shook me because, um, I, I had a real perception in my head that this is all I could do. Uh, I was good at it. Um, uh, but who would want to employ, you know, a, a chubby 40 year old, <laughs> um, who'd spent the last 20 years a, a, in an organization and now has a mental illness? Who would want to employ me? And so, again, the, the lies um, of the enemy coming into my head, thinking that the best thing yeah. that I could do for my family um, would be to activate my life insurance and um, take my life. And I went back there, and on the, on the, the 1st of August 2013, um, that, that's the path I tried to take. So you had another suicide attempt? Another suicide attempt. 
Um, and, and again, another God intervention. I sent an email, the modern day technology, um, to my wife, my boss, and a, and a friend, and, um, and, and I apologised. I apologised that I wasn't the father that I should be, the husband that I should be, the employer, the, the friend. And, um, I said goodbye and I, um, and that was it as far as I was concerned. But my boss got straight onto my wife and said, look, you know, we need to get the police involved and try and find him. And, um, cause no one knew where I was. Um, but my wife mm. said, you know what? It's, I've got a gut instinct. I've got something going on that says I want to, search in one particular place and she got our friend in the car and they drove for an hour down to a a, a spot um on the, the the southern beaches of queensland and um pulled into the car park and there's my car the first car they saw um so just a miracle miracle that they found me and um they they, they try to um get me out of the car i'm um, you know, supermodel good looks, but, um, heavy bones. And so, um, um, they couldn't get me out of the car. And, um, next thing, uh, a car pulls up beside them and it's a big, um, a Polynesian nurse from one of the hospitals. And he picks me up like a rag doll and throws me out onto the ground. And my oh, wife wow. starts, um, you know, slapping me across the face, uh, trying to get a bit of a response. And, um, and they did. They got to me in time and oh. miracle number two. And the Ambos pull in and, they said when someone doesn't want to be found, they don't get found. And so uh, miracle number three, God intervened. Yeah. So now this mental illness has obviously been really, really impacting your life to the point of attempting suicide again. Yeah. What has changed? What happened? Look, when whenever we make a decision in life, we justify it. You know, I, I brought this TV because it was cheap or I sent my kids to this school because, you know, um, they have a great sporting curriculum. And, and so what I found myself doing um, when I came to again was I began to justify why I, I did what I did. And all my friends and all the people I worked with, um, they, they were coming and visiting me and sending me messages saying, why, why, why? We don't understand. You're the one that we come to when we're doing it tough. Why? And mm. so I began to justify and explain. And as I shared my story, it actually gave permission to all my friends to start sharing their stories, to be a bit more transparent with, you know, um, oh, look, yeah, I'm struggling with this or I'm I'm battling with um, self-worth or depression or... And the more I started sharing, the more other people were sharing me with me their stories. And I realised, hang on, maybe I've gone through what I've gone through to be able to have conversations with other people that are doing it tough. Mm-hmm. And, and the more that um, I began to share... Um, the more it opened up for other people to share, and and I realised that yeah, this is this is a tough road, but God has me here for a reason. Um, he hasn't. He's intervened so many times for a reason that that I can be there for other people and and help other people when they're, they're they've been doing it tough, whether it's battling a mental illness or battling some of life's um, tough stuff, and being able to you know do life with them and be real and be transparent. Yeah, let's talk about that. What have you been doing along these lines? Yeah, look, I've I um I've been a community ambassador for AOK Foundation, um, going around sharing my story around the um, the country, 
Um, but I've also, uh, I'm a plumber by trade and so I'm passionate about, you know, crusty old tradies and, um, been fortunate enough to sort of share my story a, a lot with, um, within the construction industry. And as a result, I, I, I now work for a charity called Mates in Construction, um, where we'll go into construction sites and we'll talk about mental illness and we'll talk about suicide prevention, but we'll talk about, you know, how to look out for your mate when they're doing it tough and how to connect them to, you know, those, th- that help. And so it's been a privilege to be able to, you know, be with people when they're right at their lowest ebb and help them get through that. And yeah, so it's been, been a real privilege and, um, it, it's, yeah, a friend of mine, um, you know, says it took you to get to your lowest point to be able to find out, um, what God's purpose was for your life. Wow. So now you can be a blessing to yeah. others and help others kind of recognize the signs before they go down the avenue that you went down. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's, you know, it's, it's not rocket surgery. It's pretty, <laughs> it, it's a pretty little simple concept. It's about, you know, looking out for each other, you know, looking out for your mates, looking out for the people that you care about and noticing when they're doing it tough and, and, um, you know, praying with them or, or being with them or, you know, taking 10 seconds of courage to have a real hard conversation with someone that you care about. Well, let's talk about that. Let's kind of wrap up our conversation here. What are the big lessons that we can learn from all of your experiences? Yeah, look, I I, I go back to, um, you know, God has a plan for us all. You know, if you are doing it tough, um, there is hope. And the hope that I have in, in God that I walked away with, you know, God's grace still was there for me. And he, if, if you are doing it tough, reach out. But um, a lot of the times when we're not so good at reaching out. So mm-hmm. we, we, we look, we talk about, you know, if you're a mate and you know you've got a mate that's doing it tough or you've got someone that's doing it, that you care about that's doing it tough, um, reach out to them. Um, let's, you know, let's be people that care enough to notice, you know, I, I was at church sitting in the back row or sitting over in a corner, you know, be Jesus to the community, be Jesus to the world and have those conversations by the well, you know, take that 10 mm-hmm. seconds of courage to be Jesus in a, in a hurting world. Justin Gange, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thanks for having me, mate. It's been a privilege. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Justin Gange about his journey with mental illness and suicide attempts. And as he just mentioned, if you're doing it tough, make sure you reach out to someone. If you can identify with any of the things he's gone through and would like someone to talk to, do not hesitate to call Lifeline at 131 114. That's 131 114. Also, as Justin mentioned earlier, he's now involved with an organisation called Mates in Construction. They're dedicated to preventing suicide among people working in the construction industry. Their website is matesinconstruction.org.au. That's matesinconstruction.org.au. Finally, a good verse to remember is Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, thanks for joining us for Justin's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. A specialist came to me and he was in his scrubs with his face mask on and what have you, and all I could see was his eyes. But he said, Anne, I don't know what you've been told, but your husband has multi-organ failure and they weren't sure that they could save his life, but they were going to do their best. Anne Smith was living comfortably in New Zealand when suddenly 
her life was turned upside down. It started when her husband began to experience flu-like symptoms and then gradually became worse to the point of needing to go to an emergency room. We'll hear their story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.